a fake dating book that's totally actually not about the fake dating at all, I'm kind of here for it. Um, Frankly in Love by David Yoon follows Frank Lee as he fake dates a family friend, Joy, to appease his parents who only want him to date somebody Korean. And he does this in order to actually date Britt Means, who is a girl who goes to a school who is white and not Korean. And Joy also gets something out of this because her boyfriend is Chinese and her parents also only want her to date somebody who's Korean. So this way it gives them the freedom to pretend they're going out with each other and actually meet up with their respective um, significant others. Except this book is totally actually not about the fake dating. Like, yes, love is discussed in the book and stuff, but it's also about, like, culture and race and fitting in and being the child of immigrants and kind of, like, a connection to your family and stuff more than it is about, like, the fake dating. Like, the fake dating is what draws you in and then you stay for, like, the discussions of culture. And it's really, really amazing, and I loved it. And also, David Yoon, the author, is Nicola Yoon's husband, and she wrote The Sun is Also a Star and Everything, Everything. So it was just kind of cool that I was like, oh, hey, like, I know, you know, your wife. Like, we've read her books and stuff. So, yeah. Books, TV, music, and movies. All things that make a big impact on everyone. I'm constantly gushing about my latest read to anyone who will listen, so I figured I'd turn my rambling into something coherent that people will actually listen to, which means no tuning out halfway through. I am Maya Yosh, and this is my take. As always with a book, we are going to start with a little bit on the writing. Now, the writing is amazing. David Yoon has his own style down pat, and it's really great because it's funny and breaks the fourth wall and, like, talks directly to you and also just, like, I don't even know how to describe it. It reminds me of um, Percy's narration from the Percy Jackson books. Like, it's not Percy, because David Yoon has his own unique style, but they're similar in that, like, sassy, funny, talking to you, but also telling a great story type of narration, and I love it, and obviously we have to talk about the fact that the title is a pun, because frankly, frankly, duh, like, that gets discussed in the book, and I just think it's funny, I don't know, like, we love a pun, and so I love that the title is a pun. And also, in talking about the writing, I have to talk about the way Frank and Q speak to each other, and it's all old-timey and funny, and, like, I don't know, it just makes me laugh. Like, all the time they're talking about, like, oh, your grace this, your grace that, and one of the quotes I wrote down was, like, what counts not for shit, your grace, which, like, I don't even know why. It just, like, the contrast between, like, it doesn't count for shit or whatever, and then saying your grace, I don't know. Just, like, their dialogue together is really funny, and if you read the book, you know what I'm talking about. So I just had to throw that in there. Now we are going to move on to talking about the plot. And first I'm going to talk about the plot, and then at the end of this episode, we're going to have a discussion. Well, I'm going to talk, and you're going to listen. It's not really a discussion, but I'm going to talk about um, the, like, culture, race, all of those issues that are brought up, like, I'm going to talk about all that later. 
So, starting with the plot, um, Joy and Frank building Legos at the first gathering we see was kind of really cute. Uh, but then we get to post the first gathering and the racist car ride home and all of his parents' fake statistics and his mom's reasons for marrying a Korean girl. And one of the things his mom says is that, oh, well, you know, if you don't marry a Korean girl, then you're going to have a child and the child's not going to know where they fit in. It's too headachey for the headachey for the baby and as somebody who's mixed race that just like hit me because I was like it like it's not you know like I understand right like being somebody who's mixed race yes sometimes it's difficult because you feel like you don't fit into either culture but I wouldn't trade being mixed race for the world like I love my life and I love that I've gotten this opportunity to be part of many different cultures and so that really like ground my gears to borrow a phrase one of my best friends says all the time it really ground my gears and so I just had to mention it because like fucking I hated it I'd like that whole car ride home sucked um and then I just had to mention like calc class because I had a great calc teacher but I never had a class that was like so chill like their calc class and so I loved that and then we get to see uh, Frank and Britt studying and making out in the minivan that's not theirs and almost getting caught, which they are braver than me because I would not have the guts to break into somebody's car, which I guess it's unlocked, but it's still breaking and entering, and start making out in a car that's not mine. But we loved that they were doing it because it was really cute. And then <laughs> the greenhouse scene when they're caught by Joy and Wu, that was pretty funny. And then we see Frank go down the whole love spiral of, you know, he's getting so caught up in texting Brit while he's with Q. And Q does not deserve that treatment because Q is amazing and we love him and he deserves all of Frank's undivided attention. And then Brit shows up at the store, which like, uh as soon as she walked in I was like this is gonna be bad this is gonna like it's not gonna work out it just like I mm, I hated more so too that Frank was like put in the weird position of like obviously he can't tell his parents but Brit like doesn't understand why he can't tell his parents type of thing so I just it was it was a mess and I kind of hated it and then we go to the gathering where Frank and Joy decide to fake date. And I was not very happy that they didn't tell anybody because it was going to come back to bite them in the ass. And like, okay, maybe I understand why you don't tell Brit and Wu, but maybe if you told them it would make a lot more sense. I don't know. I was glad they told the other limbos, though, because like I liked that they were bonding and becoming like more of a group than they were before, like... When they're just like, oh, it's like we talk to them and stuff, but we don't really like acknowledge each other in our outside lives and stuff. And like as somebody who has gatherings and has gathering friends who are like decently close, I was glad that the limbos were like getting closer and stuff. And I was happy that Frank told Q because Q deserved to be let in on the secret because Q does nothing wrong and we love him. Um, and then we go to the barbecue with the APs, and Joy shows up because 
Frank's mom calls her mom, which kind of really sucks. And, like, Britt was trying so hard and thought she was making a good impression. But, you know, Frank's mom didn't know that Britt was his girlfriend. Like, it was just, it was a mess. And then we go to the ice cream museum date, which was probably, like, peak Frank and Britt's relationship. Because... Like, they go to the beach afterwards, and they say, I love you, and it's really, really cute and adorable. And then, you know, Joy and Wu kind of break up, and Frank goes to get her, and we start the downward spiral of Frank and Brit, because Frank's realizing he likes Joy, which is A-okay, but also, like, I don't know. Like, I wasn't super attached to Frank and Brit in a relationship, because we didn't get a ton of them. And like I said, the book is not really about the love, but also it was kind of sad because Brit was so nice. Like, we can't hate Brit. Brit did nothing wrong. And like, I understand, right? Like, Brit doesn't want to be a secret and it's kind of hard to not tell your parents and stuff, right? So, like, I see Brit's point of view and she didn't do anything wrong. I just was not hugely attached to their relationship, you know? Like, I liked them as friends, but not as like dating. I don't know. Anyways, then. As Frank is getting joy, his dad fucking got shot, which was not okay. And, like, I was freaking the fuck out because even though he's a racist ass who has all these fake statistics, I, like, no, you can't take him away from Frank. And I was, like, so relieved when we found out he was okay. And then we see all the hospital stuff where Joy is taking care of Frank, which was so adorable. And Q shows up and stuff. And, like, the fact that Frank texts Hannah that he loves her. And it was just, like, there was a lot of bonding and character development and plotline development in, like, this one condensed hospital scene that we loved. And, like, I love that he wakes up with all the signatures from the ER staff. And then we get to school and we realize he didn't tell Brit. Which, again, like... Not Britt's fault, obviously Frank's fault, but not even Frank's fault because she would want to be with him and he can't have that. So it's like, like their whole relationship is just not set up to succeed. But that doesn't mean I don't like them as characters, you know? It's a whole mess. Anyways, then we see Korean Barbecue post the SATs with Britt and her parents and I love that this was allowed to be a learning moment for both Frank and for Britt's family. Like, it was very heartwarming that something that could very easily have turned into a very awkward situation for Frank and for everybody involved, but mostly for Frank, who'd bear the brunt of, like, oh, we expect you to know everything about your culture and be, like, a representative for Korea. Um, It was allowed to be this learning moment. It was very heartwarming that the bad situation turned into something good, and he was like, look, I don't know, I'm sorry, and, like, they're like, oh, okay, we're sorry, we shouldn't have, like, assumed, and it, like, it was, it was just a great moment, and, like, even though Frank and Britt's relationship was kind of on the downward slope, I was very happy that they got that moment, and that Frank got that moment for himself, because I think he really needed it. And then we go to the wedding, and Joy and Frank start making out and get seen by the whole ass guest list of the wedding sees them making out, which, like, they're supposed to be a couple, so it's fine. It's just, like, embarrassing in the fact that, like, oh, shit, like, you know, you got caught making out. But 
the fact that the limbos are like, you guys weren't faking this whole time and stuff. And like, it was, it was cute. We don't condone cheating, but it was cute. And it was made better by the fact that the next day he did tell Brit at school. And like, I don't agree that he should have cheated, but it makes it better that he was honest. It wasn't like, oh, okay, well, we're fake dating. Let's just continue to fake date. But actually, real date and fake date are, like, current significant others. You know, like, I was glad they were honest, and I was glad he told her and respected her enough to be like, look, I'm sorry this isn't going to work out. Like, I have feelings for Joy, and we kissed at the wedding. And, like, you know, I respect the honesty because you don't always have to be honest in those situations. Well, you should. But, like, characters aren't always honest in those situations. And so I appreciate the honesty. And, like, you know, getting punched by Wu was, I mean, he kind of deserved it. But then Joy comes over to take care of him, which is really cute. Um, And speaking of great moments, them opening SAT scores, I was so proud of all of them. But also I was so proud of Q when he got a perfect score in the SAT. And, like, I I love Q. And as somebody who can't take the SAT for shit, I was so proud of him. And also so in awe because the highest I ever got in the SAT was, like, a 13-something. It was terrible. But I was so proud of Q. And then when the, like, barista or whoever came over and was like, oh, hey, like, here's a slice of cake on the house. Like, congratulations, Mr. Perfect Cigar. It was adorable. Oh, my God. I loved that scene. And then we go to the Korean festival in LA and, you know, Frank gets yelled at for mispronouncing a word and I hated that, but I did love that Roy apologized for his grandmother, who's the woman who yelled at Frank, and we get to see his food truck, which is this really cool, like, combo, like, Korean Mexican food truck restaurant, which honestly sounds really good. Like, I want to try that. I feel like, like, if you put Korean barbecue in a quesadilla, it would be amazing. And then Frank gets to see the Korean and black couple and their child, and it's, like, a perfect representation of what Hannah is, because, like, that Hannah's husband is black, and she's Korean, and, you know, got estranged from their family because of it, and Also, I like to think that it's David and Nicola Yoon making an appearance in the book and like because David's Korean, Nicola's black and like, I don't know. I just like I was very happy that he got to see a couple that was able to be happy and have a kid and like live their lives and stuff. And like it was like a good moment again, like something that could have been a really shitty moment actually turned into something positive for Frank. And I was very happy about that. Um, and then afterwards, we go to the mall, and donating all of the fountain coins was a really cute moment. I've always wanted to, like, have a fountain be drained and get to dig up all the coins from it. So, I was very happy that Frank got to do that. And then when the security guards are like, oh, like, be aware that we're not going to be patrolling this part of the parking lot because something happened. And then they get to go, like, fuck in his car. It was great. I It was just cute. I loved it. And then we go to the gathering of the massive fight, which sucked. It really, really sucked because it was just 
hard and terrible and annoying and then Frank gets into this massive fight with his parents in the car after that and then we come home and we learn that his dad has cancer and then we see Frank telling Joy about his dad and it just like we go from this like high of like yay Frank and Joy moments and then into this dip of like this massive gathering fight and now Frank and Joy aren't really allowed to be together and you know his dad has cancer and then we go to college acceptances which Joy got into CMU and Frank got into Stanford and poor like I felt so bad for Q that he didn't get into Stanford because that's all I wanted to do but he got into fucking MIT which we love and I was so happy and like it was so cute the way they did it where they saved up all their letters and all like met at a coffee shop I don't think I could ever do that I was checking my email like every damn day being like when are my colleges gonna tell me what the hell is gonna happen so it was just a really cute moment and I was glad they got into like schools that they wanted to get into and wanted to go to and it was great and then we see the Hannah and Frank phone call which is its own chapter and they kind of reconcile and talk through some stuff and like I was really glad that he had that phone conversation that we did actually get more development of Frank and Hannah's relationship and like it wasn't just oh that's my estranged sister and there was like a few weird texts here and there there actually was like a relationship building between the two of them which I loved and then we go on the disaster date which sucked and then we graduate which is fun and then Joy dumps Frank which was not cool in the slightest um and she you know is whizzing off to Paris and then they come back and Joy's family apologizes and we see like the final kiss between Frank and Joy and it was kind of very fitting like I was not as torn up about their relationship ending as I thought it would be because they're going to two different schools and two different sides of the country and they had this really nice like resolution moment where they were like okay we're ending on actually decent terms and like they had their final kiss and stuff and like I was weirdly okay like I thought it was gonna be more torn up but I was weirdly okay with it and I got more okay when Q kissed Frank because I was so sure when Q was like I'm never gonna tell I was like it's either he likes like Brit or Joy or he likes Frank. Like, there's no way. Otherwise, he would spill it. So when Q kissed Frank, I was very here for it. And I kind of loved it. And then we all leave for college. And when Frank leaves the task cam in the trees, I think that was kind of a really good moment, too. Of, like, he's leaving his past behind. He's moving on and making his own life and stuff. And then he comes back for the funeral, which kind of sucked because his dad did not deserve to die. But I was okay, you know? Like, he came back, and it was an okay way to end the book. Like, I wasn't bawling my eyes out because of it. I think because this book really took on more of a, like, discussion of culture and identity and stuff, I was less torn up about the shit that happened in terms of, like, the relationships and his dad because I was really more in the book to, like, actually think through that stuff and not to get attached to the characters. I don't know if that's weird, but it's what happened. And also speaking of the funeral, because Q's twin sister Evan ends up at Stanford, in my head, I think that Frank and Evan end up together. 
and then him and Q are brother-in-law, and that's my end game for this book. And so now that we've talked about the plot, I want to talk about like the conversations of race and culture and identity. Starting with how amazingly this book tackles them, because this book has crazy important conversations about all these different topics, but it also is very YA and very accessible, and like it never felt like I was reading like a textbook or like something that was written as like a piece for a newspaper or whatever, but it really felt like if you had like a book club of people read this, you could have a really deep discussion about all of the topics brought up in the book. And so I love that they have that and that David Yoon gives us this tool because I think it really is good to spark conversations and stuff and to allow people to see into another culture. And it just like, they tackled it so well. So I had to start with that. And like Frank and Q have their whole black sheep conversation. And then it's followed by the, hey, internet, what is, like, this chapter? And those were really, like, significant moments that stood out to me. And, like, you know, it showed that, like, it's not just Frank struggling with this on his own and, like, his interior monologue sparks his conversations. It's, you know, like, Frank is actually having these conversations. And that's pretty true, right? Like, we're moving into this time in YA, I think, where we're getting a ton more minority representation and we're getting to see like not just books that like where characters struggle with something like it's not like I don't know if this is going to be a weird example but it's like we're moving towards this era where it's not just like a book tackle something like the hate you get right where star sees her one of her friends like get shot by a cop and that's like a really big issue, right? And so we see Star struggle with it and everything. But it's not just like, oh, that happens. And then like the rest of the world goes on. Like we're seeing characters actually have conversations with their classmates and their friends and other people their age. And it's not just like, you know, I'm going to go to my parents to talk about this and have them explain something to me. It's like, no, I'm going to form my own opinions and talk to my friends and stuff because that's what kids do. And so I liked that Frank and Q had this conversation and it was followed by the Hey Internet What Is um, chapter and stuff. And like, it just is very traditional of the era that we're moving into with YA of like kids talking about this and coming to terms with this and stuff. And so I loved it. And then we see Frank having to deal with his parents' racism, which obviously we see throughout the whole book. And really sucks and it sucks more so too that it's you know minority against minority racism like you would want to think that as other minorities and like like okay I'm not part of the Asian community well I'm I like to call myself sub-Asian because India is a subcontinent of Asia so I say I'm sub-Asian but um like, for me, right, I, you know, India has this whole weird history of, you know, being anti-Muslim or North India and South India hating each other and stuff, and it's, like, why? Like, you are anyways, like, face so many different issues outside of 
this why would you create more issues for yourself and like why would you bring hatred into your own country and against your own people and so that's kind of like for me from my perspective like I would never and I don't understand I feel like we as minorities and as people from the same culture need to stand up and support each other and support other minorities too so it really sucked that we had to deal with Frank's parents racism but it is very valid and I'm glad that we got to see that it isn't just like like it's easier to characterize racism that's coming from other people as really shitty right because like it's an outside force and they don't understand your cult like I don't even know where I'm going with this conversation because Frank's parents racism is really shitty but you have to like consider it with the fact that they're also his parents right it's not like some random stranger yelling some slur on the street where you're like okay obviously that person's an asshole and you know like there's a very clear line whereas with his parents it's like you know they're still his parents and he still has a connection to them and a relationship with them whether he likes it or not whether he likes their ideas or not and so it just it sucks I think is my point that I'm trying to make with this rambling on is Frank's parents racism sucks and I do love to see that Frank and Hannah reconnect and we see how Hannah has to deal with everything and the fact that her parents ostracized her and disowned her for falling in love with a black man and you know I fully support Hannah you know her baby is gonna not have a headache and she's gonna get to enjoy both Korean and black culture and is gonna be amazing you know and like it's just I like that we got to see Hannah's perspective and stuff and again like I talked about the Korean barbecue with Brit's family it was very good that something could become so you know like good and something that could have been a shitty situation became good and Frank learned to be like look I don't have to stand up and be like I know everything about Korea just because I'm Korean American you know he can be like look I don't know and you know that's gonna be freaking me um because I am half Indian but you know, I'm sure people are going to be like, oh, well, what do you recommend at this indie restaurant? What is this? What is that? And I'm not going to know half the time. So, like, I love Frank for having that revelation and allowing me to have that revelation. And, like, it definitely caused a lot of introspection for me and was a very, very good book and can start very many conversations. And, you know, I relate to Frank because I'm, you know, not entirely, like, I can't, understand everything that Frank goes through but I am mixed race so I understand where he comes from where he's like I don't completely fit in to American culture but I also don't completely fit into Korean culture and I always have to say I'm Korean American I can't just say I'm American and I can't just say I'm Korean and I get that because I'm half Indian half white I can't just say I'm white and I can't just say I'm Indian and like you don't completely fit into either culture because you're too Indian to be completely white and you're too white to be completely Indian and like I get that and like I can relate to a lot of parts of his experience and stuff like the crazy lady who got pissed at him for his non-perfect Korean like there was one time I was in India and we went to this get together of a lot of my dad's uh former high school classmates like not a actual like high school reunion like just an informal get together reunion type of thing and one of my dad's former classmates, I think, um, came up to me and asked me if I spoke any Bengali, um, which is an Indian language, and I said no, and she was like, really not, like, a word, and I was like, 
I said Namaskar, which is Hindi, but if you say Nomoshkar, it's Bengali. And I didn't know the difference because it sounds the damn same to me. And like, you know, now I realize like, okay, but still, it's like a little bit off. And she's like, oh, that's Hindi. And I was like, oh, okay, sorry. Then I guess I don't know any Bengali. And then she proceeded to ask me questions in Bengali and just like make me figure out what the hell she was saying. So like just in that moment when that happened to Frank, I was like, Frank, I see you. I can relate. I've had a similar experience. Like, don't worry. It all gets better. And yeah, with that anecdote, I'm going to leave you and just say that I love this book and I appreciate David Yoon for everything that he did in terms of giving us a conversation starter and an insight into, you know, like child of an immigrant experience and Korean American experience and Korean culture. And it's great. And I think everybody really needs to read it. And like, it can be a great book to read and like a kind of book club type of thing if you want to talk about it with friends. So yeah, I have been Maya Ghosh and this has been my take on Frankly in Love by David Yoon. Thanks for listening. So we're kind of a one-woman show here at My Take, so the credits are not going to be very long. This podcast is produced and edited um, by me. I do all of my own social media. The only person I really have to thank is one of my great friends, Paris, who did the music that is in the intro and that you're listening to now. So thank you, Paris, and thank you all for listening. You can reach me at underscore My Take on Twitter and Instagram. And please leave a rate or review wherever you listen to this podcast. That helps a ton. So yeah, thanks for listening.